everybody. This is the Never Heard of a Podcast, Sean Harwell. This is a show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks. We got a tee up today, and of course, I'm joined by Craig Moorhead. Craig, how the heck are you? Sean, I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Not bad, not bad. It's uh, feeling like summer, man. It's just feeling it like is. summer. It's heating up. Yeah, the daughter was asking to get the slip and slide out today, so you know it's summer. Yeah. Yeah. Even though technically it's not. Right. Um, what else is going on? Anything uh, crazy? Well, I mean, a, a little crazy. I wanted to mention, you know, just yesterday, as of this recording, uh, got the news that director Lynn Shelton passed away. I can't claim to be close friends at all. I, I, I did get the pleasure of speaking with her once, but uh, but I, I have a lot of friends who were very close with her, and my heart goes out to all those folks. And Lynn Shelton, just for our listeners, if you are unfamiliar with her stuff, or I mean, if you think you're unfamiliar with her stuff, you may not be, because honestly, she's directed pretty much uh, every good show, it seems like, that's come out over the last 10 years. So if you've watched everything from Mad Men, if you watched Glow, if you watched, uh, I mean, Fresh Off the Boat, Good Place, uh, Marin, Master of None, Mindy Project, New Girl, you've seen her work. I was going to recommend, though, because... This movie surprised me so much. If you have not seen the movie Hump Day from 2009, that movie was uh, so great. She's done a ton of great work. You should check out everything she did. But I just I just wanted to throw that out there because, I mean, that, that was one of those movies that just uh, really kind of blew me away. I didn't even know what to expect and uh, really loved it. So, again, just want to say uh, I'm really sorry to hear about uh, her passing and... Uh, I hope people will uh, will catch up with uh, the great work that she did. Yeah, very sad indeed. Um, I want to say she was 52. Uh, uh, around just there. way too young. Yeah, way too young. Absolutely. Also, the same day uh, Fred Willard was lost. Yeah, we lost Fred Willard. Sucks yeah. and is, is not a good thing. But uh, at least, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff left behind in the wake that you can watch and enjoy. It really is. On a more positive note, Craig, we're not not an island. I wanted to point at a couple other podcasts real quick, if I may. Please do. Uh, First and foremost, a little snack uh, is back, indeed. I I think um, (laughs) when we had Peter on, Peter Fedak, we uh, talked about it, that it might be coming back. And then I think they dropped an episode like literally the day after we recorded. (laughs) He didn't say a word about that, of course. Yeah. They know how to work the the publicity. You know what I mean? I know. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. No, it's been, it's been a lot to listen to. That's a lot enjoyable stuff and very topical TV and, and movie talk there. So you should check that out if you haven't and you're not familiar with it. Also, uh, have you heard of this podcast called Wind of Change on Spotify? You know about this? No. Okay. It just came out and uh, I'd never heard anything about the story whatsoever. And I don't think I'm in the in the minority here. But apparently there is a rumor that has been floating around that the Scorpion song, Wind of Change, which was this huge hit in the in the early 90s, right, was written or at least conceived in some fashion by the CIA. <laughs> wow. And there's enough crazy there to think, well, there might be something to this. Yeah. But really, like so far, I'm like three episodes in, and Spotify's got like the whole season, right? It's a good just kind of look at the CIA in general and sort of some of the cultural things that they've tried to influence from Dr. Zhivago and, and other things that I wasn't familiar with, yeah. along with Argo, of course, being being the reference sure. point. 
So check that out. I, I really enjoyed the podcast that Spotify made on Joe Strummer and The Clash. Uh, I thought that was great. Chuck D hosted a while back. So um, they got a good record as far as I'm concerned of original content there. When to change. Check it out. You'll get that song stuck in your head every single time. Dude, that sounds great. <laughs> Scorpions. Yeah. Uh, well, what's also great is when people come say hello. You want to tell them real quick, Willie, uh, once again, where they can do that if they want to talk to us. I absolutely do. I absolutely do. Uh, here's the Especially the CIA. Yeah, we'll be happy to do any CIA-sponsored material, uh, whatever you need. I know it's 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 tough to influence the world these days, and you need every, all the yeah. help you can get. If so, CIA, check us out on uh, Twitter. We are at Never Podcast. Facebook, also we're known as Never Podcast. Instagram, we all know it's different on Instagram. N-H-O-I-T Podcast, that's N-H-O-I-T Podcast. Uh, you can find us uh, in those three different places and and uh, tell us uh, whatever's on your heart. You can find the actual podcast to listen to. You'll find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. There might be a few other stragglers out there. Uh, if you can't find it, let the CIA know. They know exactly where we are. But if you do find it, please subscribe to it uh, and maybe leave a review. It helps other people find us. And we'd love people to find us. I don't think that's a hard uh, equation to put together there. Um, so that's all the info you need to know to get in touch with us. Sean, let's get in touch with uh, a movie. Let's do it. Real quickly first, though, I want to say, uh, including our Facebook page, you have the option to message us there, which Tyler Baum did, I think, yesterday. Oh, yeah. Such- <laughs> suggested a movie, which I don't know that we'll ever get to, but... It's called Shart. Yes. It is literally called Shart, spelled the same way. And it doesn't appear to be a comedy. No, and I think it might not even... I think it's like a Bollywood movie, yes. perhaps. So maybe that means something differently. <laughs> I mean, I hope not, but to amazing. be honest. I'll be I just do 100% too. honest, yeah. So come join us and make good, fun recommendations, even if they're not things that we're going to watch. We, we still like receiving them. 100%. Uh, correct. Yes, sir. You know, as does our audience, that last two weeks we spent talking about the movie... Thunder Road. Mm-hmm. So for this week and the next, we're going to talk about the movie Thunder Road. Absolutely. Yeah, this one is actually a different Thunder Road. Now I'm going to say it like that every time I say Thunder Road. You only need to say it once. We'll edit the rest of them in. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, this is from 1958, though, so I think we're going to do something completely different, and I'm excited about it. It's an hour and a half long crime drama film noir. According to IMDb, and logline is this. A veteran comes home from the Korean War to the mountains and takes over the family moonshining business. He has to battle big city gangsters who are trying to take over the business and the police who are trying to put him in prison. It's hard out there for a a moonshiner, you know? Man, it really is. There's a marquee name attached to this project, which we'll get to in a little bit when we transition here. That's my big draw for this, other than just the fact that it was called Thunder Road. And it's interesting to see how completely different uh, two movies can be with the exact same title. So I don't think we've done that yet on this show. Checking that off the bucket list. You can find this movie to rent at various places. I don't know that it is streaming on a subscription service right now. It's not streaming. I know you can you can uh, purchase a Blu-ray or or rent it. Yeah. So please do that and come back next time and we'll talk about it in full. But first, Craig, why don't you uh, get into the people that made this and we'll do that this week. Sean, I'd be happy to. Thunder Road is a movie directed by author... No. Oof, man. It's kind of like when I said uh, Sal Bass like 800 times. Sal Bass. Saul. Old Sally Bass. (laughs) 
Okay. I feel better now after you said that. Now I feel a mm. little more calm. I went into it. I had a little stage fright. A little trepidation. But now I'm feeling a little more myself. Let's see if I can... That's what I'm here for, man. Thanks, dude. It's like that It's like that scene in 8 Mile. Exactly. And that's I'm about to come out hard right now like Eminem would. Lose yourself, Craig. Go. I'm about to lose myself. All right. This movie is directed by Arthur Ripley. Boom! Thunder Road was his last feature that he directed. He also directed such movies as Prisoner of Japan, Voice in the Wind, and a short titled Gasoloons, among hmm. others. I don't have more information on Gasoloons, but I sure <laughs> like the title. Yeah. It was written by James Atlee Phillips, who also wrote uh, movies such as Big Jim McLean, though uncredited, I guess, and uh, along with some uh, TV movies. He had a cool. rather uh, prolific uh, TV movie career. Now, uh, he shared the writing duties with uh, Walter Wise, who apparently did some marketing shorts for Lockheed Martin. Oh, good. Yeah, uh, which I think I think is in every fiber of this movie. <laughs> you'll see, you'll see yeah. that that influence. Uh, another feature was called "Sinner Take All," which I thought that was kind of a clever. That is little, a good uh, title, yeah. Yeah, thing that the the story itself was uh, created by Mister Robert Mitchum. Hey. Yeah, he uh, apparently came to them with the story, and this was his only writing work it seems in the movie industry yeah this was the story he was dying to tell can you imagine trying to write something and make that guy happy uh, it would be terrifying i think oh terrifying yeah don't screw up my idea yeah or i'll kill you yeah i mean yeah night of the hunter you don't want to yeah. cross that guy you don't want to mess up his story can't imagine where the bodies are buried on this one you know how many writers came before these two yeah i might have some some info on that oh looking forward to it now, the movie was produced by Mr. Robert Mitchum as well, uh, who also produced such movies as The Wonderful Country and The Night Fighters, which I wish I'd looked into a little bit more. Are they fighting the night or are they fighting <laughs> at night? They only fight at night. The they daytimes, only fight at They're night. just no good in the day. Yeah, yeah night fighters. And uh, the other producer on it was uh, Mr. Arthur Ripley, who also uh, produced films such as Voice in the Wind, his, his movie that he directed, as well as a movie called Behind Prison Walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got music, music that was composed, music that was composed by Jack Marshall, hmm. who also composed music for the giant Gila monster, which is one of my personal favorite episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000, by the way. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, also seemed to involve uh, roadsters, uh, uh, dragsters, um, okay. and, uh, and also the Munsters TV show. He did music for that. Our DP, our DPs, I'm sorry. It took two DPs to film this movie. That's how much movie we've got. Wow. Uh, yeah, we've got David Ettenson, who shot an episode of a, a show called Decoy in 1958. It was the first show about a female police officer, and she works undercover. Huh. And it's like, yeah, it was like in, in 58. I thought that was kind of interesting. I've never that heard of that cool. show. Yeah. yeah, it's like super groundbreaking. Other DP, our other DP was Alan Stensvold. Uh, he shot four episodes of The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo, if you remember that. I don't, but I like it. Uh, from sometime in the 70s, I believe. Uh, also shot uh, Black Panther, uh, a short from 1957 called oh, Black Panther. Whew. Okay. And uh, did did uh, 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 the, the camera work on Night Court. Nice. USA, TV series from 1958. Oh. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, I was tricking you're, you're, you. You're tricking me there, left and See right. That? that was great. He was edited. I had so much fun doing that just now. I'm glad. I'm glad. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it was edited by Harry Marker, who also edited The Bells of St. Mary's. Also cut uh, They Made Her a Spy in 1939, Ooh. which, yeah, I'm like, how did they make her a spy? <laughs> uh, edited some episodes of Lassie. Started huh. cutting movies. Sean, this is a 1958 movie. Started cutting movies. 60 years before, cut 1918's Selfish Yates. How is that possible? That's a long time. Jesus. The first movie, he started cutting his first movie six months out of the womb. That's how That's serious a, the film industry was back then. He was a prodigy, I guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just, just squirted him right out onto a steam back, and he went to work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and I also wanted to... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I wanted to bring up... <laughs> sorry. That's okay. Um, they just spliced I, him right in there, didn't just they? Just <laughs> spliced him right into life, yep. and he started splicing away. Okay. Um, so I wanted to add a new category tonight, uh, which is casting, because oh. there's so much casting going on. And the, and yeah, the casting director on this, I'm wondering if they did a great job, because they've done uh, work on other stuff that I've really liked. Harvey Claremont was the casting director on this movie. He did uncredited casting work on 1944's Double Indemnity, which wow. is has a pretty great uh, cast. Yeah. Casting director on Perry Mason, also a great cast. Casting director on, on the TV show Lassie, on the Mod Squad, original Mod Squad, not the one with what's-her-name from My So-Called Life. Claire Danes. Right, which I think is probably cast fine, too. And, uh, and also for The Outer Limits. He was doing all that kind of work back then. Very cool. So uh, casting. Her- uh, Harvey. Harvey. Did I say Harry? Harvey. I think you said Harvey. Good. Well, now I've said it both ways in case anyone... <laughs> Wants just to hear it that way. And that brings us to the cast. That's a good segue. Very good. Yeah. These are the people Harvey Claremont cast in the film. Uh, Robert Mitchum, which was kind of a slam dunk because he brought the movie to him, was producing it. (laughs) But (laughs) Harvey didn't have a hard day on that one. Yeah. But uh, Robert Mitchum, he's he's playing a character named Lucas Doolin. You've seen Mitchum in Night of the Hunter in 1955, Out of the Past, 1947, uh, and both the original Cape Fear and the remake. Yeah. Gene Barry is next up. I didn't say who he's playing. Troy Barrett is who Gene Barry is playing. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for the assist. Gene Barry is playing, you said Troy Barrett. Mm -hmm. What a great name. Now, Gene Barry was also in War of the Worlds, both of them, 1953 and 2005, among many other uh, 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 movies and and TV shows. Now, Jacques Abou... Jacques Abouchan? It's probably Aubuchon. 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 Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. I'm guessing if it's French. Jacques did tons of TV. We're talking about Gunsmoke, I Spy... Remington Steel. You everybody remembers Remington Steel. Mm-hmm. And also in the great the great 1969 Don Knotts movie The Love God. And I'm sorry, it's pronounced The Love God because there's a question mark at the end of it. That's right. You got to see the movie if you haven't seen it. You got to check that movie out, guys. Craig, would you believe I had a conversation at Universal? There was talks about trying to figure out a remake of that, by the way. You Is did. That, you got, should yeah. figure it out. Get I've got back a document to them. somewhere. Yeah. No, you need to get back to them immediately, Sean. This was this was like eight years ago. Oh my God! It's never too late. Just <laughs> yeah. text somebody. I mean, I I think I sent it in, and, and they politely just refused to ever talk to me again. Well, you know the the really tough thing about the Love God 
is that Don Knotts isn't here anymore. Yeah, there's no other Don Knotts. Yeah, it was tough. You're not going to put Will Ferrell in there. I mean, that guy nope. can do a lot. Anyway. Anywho, that's, that's a great story. I love that. Uh, we've got Keeley Smith. Only a handful of acting credits for Keeley, but a ton of music credits. Mm-hmm. And I, this is, I believe, because she was a part of Louis Prima's band. So ah. she's credited as a performer in movies like Raging Bull, Casino, Sopranos, Will and Grace, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, among a bunch of others. Wow. Yeah, kind of a cool uh, thing there. I'm interested to see Keeley Smith in this movie, what she does. We've got Trevor Bardet, uh, the first of Trevor's 244 credits. <laughs> That's right. <God. laughs> and he only worked for 20 months. Wait, this no. was his first credit? No, no, no. This is not the first. Well, I'm, oh, okay. I'm going back to his first. So, Gotcha. The first of his 244 credits is a movie from 1932 called The Cabin in the Cotton. I don't know. Good title. Probably not a movie we want to revisit. I'm just Maybe guessing not. from the title and the, <laughs> and the period. Uh, but he went on to do spots in shows like Gunsmoke, Gomer Pyle, Twilight Zone, among many, many others. And I'm going to list them all right now. Okay, folks. I'll uh, see you tomorrow. <laughs> uh, Sandra Knight is also in the movie. She was in Frankenstein's Daughter, also in 1958, and The Terror in 1963. And then we've got James Mitchum, who is the oldest son of Robert Mitchum. There's no coincidence. Mm -hmm. They're related. Uh, Now, you would have seen James also in Tulane Blacktop in 1971 and Moon Runners in 1975. And in this movie, you will also see Christopher Mitchum, also related. That was his uh, Robert Mitchum's second-born, and he appears in the movie as... A washboard player. Now, uh, I'm going to turn over the podcast to my co-host with the washboard abs, who will now fill us in on the rest of the story. Only if that washboard has been, like, beaten up in a fight with an iron or something. It's like somebody put their knee in the back of it and just kind of bent it through. (laughs) So it kind of has a big bulge. By the way, I don't think I actually have this in my information, but Moonrunners is a sequel to Thunder Road of sorts, at least. Well, yeah, good call, because that is what I was uh, wondering there. It's certainly in the same uh, milieu. It's uh, 1975, and the tagline on the poster is, Thunder Road was only a practice run. This is the real thing. Oh, dang. That title, though, it, it I can't help but think about, like, it has something to do with space when I hear moon runners, yeah, you know? Yeah, that's what I would have thought, too, yeah. And trust me, I've grown up around some moonshine, you know what I'm saying? Oh, man, who hasn't, right? In the crib? Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. not on the crib. Oh, on the Steenbeck. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, Robert Mitchum, this was his idea, uh, at least in the genesis of the movie, but according to Wikipedia... The film was based loosely on an incident in which a driver transporting moonshine was said to have crashed to his death on Kingston Pike in Knoxville, Tennessee. Per the Metro Pulse writer Jack Renfro, the incident occurred in 1952 and may have been witnessed by James Agee, who passed the story on to Mitchum. James Agee is a name that I was kind of familiar with, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know why. Uh, He is one of the credited screenwriters on The African Queen and The Night of the Hunter, so that's probably why I knew his name. Uh, he was also the film film critic for Time Magazine and The Nation, and he was said to champion Charlie Chaplin's film, Monsieur Verdoux. Oh. Yeah, Craig. Gets better. Gets better. Even supposedly wrote a script for Chaplin where the tramp, his beloved character, 
survives a nuclear holocaust. <laughs> and that and and some of that script ended up in Indiana Jones 4, from what I understand. <laughs> yes, it did. No, but the script was later after AG's death titled The Tramp's New World and published in 2005. So I'm very curious to see if we can find this thing somewhere uh, online, perhaps. Yeah. 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 Really curious about that. Okay, so yeah, this was the first of three films produced by uh, Robert Mitchum's production company, DRM Productions. I don't know what the D stands for. I hope it's Dr. Doctor. Dr. Robert Mitchum. Yeah. yeah. Or dentist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, the other two films are The Wonderful Country and The Night Fighters that you mentioned. Oh, yeah. Indeed, it was a family affair. You mentioned James Mitchum is in here. Oddly enough, uh, he plays Robert Mitchum's brother in this movie. And forgive me if you said that. That's a, no, I didn't, but that yeah. is slightly creepy. Uh, it will be, but they do look quite a bit alike. They sure do. You mentioned Christopher Mitchum, and uh, did you mention he was also in Tombstone? I did not. Okay, that's one of his credits that stood out to me. And it was said that he was paid ten dollars to be in this movie and play that wash uh, washer board that, or washboard that you mentioned. Well, and do the math for me. What's the inflation calculator on that ten dollars? I think that uh, is about six dollars in today's money. That's about right. I think I said, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah, we went backwards. Um, <laughs> there's another Mitchell in this movie that you didn't quite get to. I don't believe, which oh. is Mitchell Ryan, who's a little further down the cast list. That's and he was said to have confessed that he was very, very shy about doing scenes with Robert Mitchum, which no, you don't blame him, right? Yeah, but that's yeah, it's tough for an actor. And apparently uh, Robert Mitchum told him that from then on that Mitchell could be Little Mitch and Robert would be Big Mitch. And it worked. And they got married and lived happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> no. Fun fact, Robin Doolin, who James Mitchum played... Mm-hmm. The son of Robert Mitchum, and again, they were playing brothers, was apparently originally offered to none other than Elvis Presley, who wow. was said to have been very interested. And that can kind of, that I would buy those two as brothers, right? Sure. I can kind of see that. But Colonel Tom Parker, Elvis's manager, nixed the idea and wanted more money for Elvis to be in the movie than they had to spend, which is not terribly surprising. So it was just, it was just money. I guess so. What could have been? What could have been? I think I, I gave you a little heads up there that there's something I discovered yes. about this movie that made me extremely excited. Oh, boy. So here we go. Yeah. So all of the Moonrunner cars in this movie had actually been used, it is said, by real moonshiners in the, wait for it, Asheville, North Carolina area, Craig. Oh! Where the movie was shot. Yeah, those of you who don't know, I live in the city of Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, it gets better, Craig. Most of the scenes were filmed in Woodfin, North Carolina, along U.S. Route 19 and others at Lake Lord. Craig, guess which part of Asheville I live in? <laughs> Woodfin. It's Woodfin. Yes, some scenes were filmed in the beach area, which is east of Weaverville, which is where my daughter goes to school, wow. and uh, included... Uh, scenes that were shot on Reams Creek Road, which I did the Google map, is 1.7 miles from my house, Greg. Sean, you can retrace. It's my backyard. I can literally go see the locations that they shot in. And I had no idea about this. It's a total accident that we're even talking about this movie because we were going to do Thunder Alley. And I yes. messed up when I said we were doing two Thunder Road movies because we were like, oh, yeah, there's a, another Thunder Road with Robert Mitchum. 
that's crazy. I had no that idea. That is awesome. So that's fun. I'm going to go out and completely recreate this movie after I see it. Oh, please do. But uh, the Moonshiners were said to have sold the cars to the film company in order to buy newer, faster cars. And they apparently used some of these people as actual drivers in the uh, in some of the shoot uh, and some of the car scenes with camera mounted on a pickup tailgate. So look for that. Yeah. Uh, the movie came out on May 10th in 1958, was released by United Artists, was said to be really big in the drive-in circuit, particularly in the Southeast, where it continued to play occasionally in theaters through the 1980s. Holy moly. Yeah, it's a hell of a run. Yeah, it is. Uh, got some fun taglines. You'll need shock absorbers. And they pointed out that that was in all caps. Wait, that's the whole tagline? You'll need shock absorbers? Yep. All right. Here's another one. Mitchum roars down the hottest highway on earth, which okay. as someone who lives 1.7 miles from Reams Creek Road, it's not, it's, I mean, it's not a highway for one thing, and it's, it's definitely not the hottest highway uh, yeah. on earth. Yeah, so Go ahead and spoil that right there. And lastly, raw and rough as today's billion-dollar whiskey war. Oh, Don't man. know exactly what is meant by that. I did look up uh, billion-dollar whiskey war, and all I found was that, like, yeah, whiskey's a billion-dollar business sure. uh, industry, but that was, like, from a Forbes magazine in 2007, so <laughs> I don't know what they mean by that. Yeah. Um, this was also known as Kilometerstein 375 in Austria. Oh. And then, interestingly, uh, there were three different working titles I found in the United States. One was uh, Jack O. Diamonds. One was Johnny Diamond. And the other was the Whippoorwill. To my knowledge, there's not a character in this movie named Jack O. Diamond or Johnny Diamond. I don't know yeah. if that was like an original name they had floating around. The Whippoorwill will come back up in a second, though. The movie, yeah. So it came out in May of 1958, uh, accordingly with little fanfare or advanced publicity. Kind of just thought to be this B-movie thing and got almost no attention from the critics. This as written by Joe Elliott of the Mountain Express, which is the local Asheville Weekly magazine, which has a great article online about this and the shoot in the area and even had quotes from folks who were who were a part of it. Right. Couldn't find box office or budget. Couldn't even really find a good review from the era. I think the New York Times wanted me to go behind the paywall, and I wasn't willing to do that today. Mm. Uh, but Harry Knowles, uh, Ain't It Cool News, said mm -hmm. the film is a bit on the laborious side, and you might look at your watch maybe once, but for me, wow, Mitchum is a god in this film. He's just so damn cool, walking around like a deity to the hillbillies that worship him. <laughs> I, I'm on board. All right, all right. Charles Stinson, LA Times. They, I did find a little blurb here from, I think they're original review but it was quoted elsewhere it said robert mitchum portrays the rough ace whiskey runner performances by the principals are what is to be expected from good reliable actors walter wise's scenario from a story by mitchum was barring a few soft spots much better than the average b-movie sounds good to know All right uh 1958 uh recap of the top 10 you got south pacific auntie mamie cat on a hot tin roof no time for sergeants Gigi, The Vikings, The Young Lions, The Inn of Sixth Happiness, Some Came Running, and Big Country. We talked about 1958 in our episode on I Married a Monster from Outer Space. So oh, yes. You can listen to that one again for more. Okay, last little fun facts here. The Whippoorwill, I mentioned that before. This is the film's official theme song, same name, which was sung by, yes, Keely Smith, who mm -hmm. in this movie does indeed play a nightclub singer. And they released a different studio rendition 
also sung by her as a single on a 45 Capitol Records. And the opening song of the movie is not that though. It is the ballad of the excuse me, the ballad of Thunder Road, sung by Randy Sparks, who appears in the movie as a guitarist. But Robert Mitchum recorded his own version and released that as a 45, what? also on Capitol, wow. said to be popular. And he he's a co-writer on both of those songs. So he this is like his movie through Man, and through, right? I tell you what. Okay, and here's our connection, literal connection, to 2018's Thunder Road, Craig. Mm-hmm. Bruce Springsteen said at a 1978 concert that the name of his song, Thunder Road, had been inspired by seeing a poster of this movie. Though he claims <laughs> to have not seen the movie itself. And wow. I don't know if that's changed since 1978. We should f- try to find out. I'll send his lawyer some letters. But that's some good connective tissue. Yeah, right? Yeah. And if you're a big fan of Cheers, the show, classic shows that come, uh, there's an episode where Sam and Coach watch Thunder Road at the bar as part of uh, a recurring thing where they watch Robert Mitchum movies. So uh, maybe we can find that episode on Netflix or something. Yeah. And that's all I got. I'm excited about this one. I mean, God, just so random to discover that this was shot like so close to my home. So that that is crazy. Yeah, it's totally crazy. I'm really excited. Now, there's a couple other hot spots in Asheville. Um, that I saw mentioned, those of you in the area, uh, River Arts District makes an appearance, supposedly, which I can't imagine looks anything like it does today. So mm. uh, really curious to see it for that. Really curious to see what Mitchum does in this movie. I love the sort of like moonshiner kind of aspect of it. It's a great Elmore Leonard book called The Moonshine War, which I've always thought would be a great film. Um, and there's one that exists with Alan Alda, who seems completely wrong for the role. So I haven't even seen it. <laughs> Anything that's got you super pumped to go down Thunder Road one more time, Craig? Well, yeah. Uh, the the whole reason I know that it exists is because it was kind of doing some research that a thing a friend of mine and I were writing on, and I was trying to find a, a new angle for it, and then I thought about, oh, Moonshiners. Like, I wonder if there are movies about Moonshiners. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, when I saw this one, I mean, it just looked it looked like everything I would enjoy. So, uh, yeah, ever since then, I've wanted to, to see it. What do you say we just drive our cars into our living rooms, our dens, our home theaters, mm-hmm. and uh, recreate the driving experience? Absolutely going to do that. Yes. Uh, structural codes be damned. Going to get that <laughs> car right in there. Let's do it. It's a good thought. All right. Well, I hope everybody will hit the gas and join us next time as we really break this movie down and, and share our thoughts. But until we do, Craig... The last words are yours. The whippoorwill. Uh, the whippoorwill. That's that's all I got. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Bye.